This episode of the Sixth Sense Report contains some language, graphic descriptions, and may not be suitable for young children. Listener discretion is advised. If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Welcome to the Sixth Sense Report. The Sixth Sense Report. Hear ye, hear ye. Come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Man, I feel like this is probably the longest coming interview we've had. Uh, now, that might not make sense to Darnell totally, but... but uh, Or I should say... Maybe but to you. Yes, but to me. Me and uh, Liam have been going back and forth talking about potential episodes for, for a little while. Um, so thank you, Liam, for, for joining us. Um, yeah, stoked to uh, stoked to hop on here. Uh, I think we should just start by acknowledging that I'm taping this from uh, the traditional land of the Huron Wendat. Uh, <laughs> I would just like to state my pronouns are King in Your Majesty. Um, yeah, after that, pretty much good to go. Okay, so <laughs> who, who, so for our listeners, <laughs> sorry, I just had no, I had to troll a bit. Yeah, and, uh, and the for, listeners hopefully can tell why I wanted to bring him on with that expert <laughs> trolling to start. Uh, okay, so Liam, for those uh, listeners who don't know you, uh, can you give us a background on yourself? Yeah, uh, so yeah, I uh, going into the pandemic, I was doing music. Um, so I went to school for, for audio engineering, music production, and oh, cool. Um, yeah, so uh, and then music business as well. And then uh, so going into uh, lockdowns, my uh, bandmate and I, we, we were like a duo. We had just uh, just played our first headlining show in February <laughs> of 2022 and, uh, and then a month or sorry, 2020. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, okay. And then uh, about three weeks later was when the the pandemic crash hit. And then uh, we st- we stuck it out for uh till the second lockdowns which came in december of 2020 and then once that happened both of us were kind of like all right we're packing it in here um don't think the music industry is going to bounce back anytime soon i'm not willing to put 20 30 hours into (laughs) promoting myself to stay relevant in 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 the music industry to to try to uh you know hopefully make it out on the other end okay and then um then so decided he my bandmate packed up, moved up north. I decided I was going to get into videography stuff and just decided I would, you know, instead of I, I need a creative outlet, I'll go nuts if I don't have a creative outlet. So I was like, OK, I'm going to just do marketing videos for uh, Instagram for small businesses, ads, restaurants, whatever. Um, worked with a few uh, liquor companies and stuff like that as well. And then I randomly one day just made a video going into um it was i think i think it was about a month or two into those second lockdowns i just randomly made a video and uh titled it just like a message to my friends and was just talking about mental health during the pandemic and kind of at this time the ta- the conversation around lockdowns was very similar to the conversation around vaccines about 3 months ago i mean now you can kind of talk about them pretty openly not being uh what we were sold but without you know too much pushback but that this was back in the days of you know lockdown conversations just being as or sorry as were just as vitriolic as the vaccine conversations were for a bit there and yeah i just talked about mental health and kind of both 
sides i like i got i got a lot of messages from people that i'd see um on like you know shaming anybody who had anything negative to say about public health um measures they mm-hmm. they messaged me and they were like you hit this on the you nailed this on the head um and then i had people on the uh you know that i'd seen you know posting that they were at uh anti lockdown um protests that kind of stuff and they were messaging me as well and saying, hey, you nailed this. And I was kind of like, all right, I, I'm seeing something here then. If I, and Bo, right away, like I, I literally titled the video a message to my friends. I thought it was just going to be to my friends and it instantly kind of blew up. I think that was still like the longest, uh, the most watched like long forum video I've done. Um, but uh, yeah, so, I, and then just from there, I was like, all right, cool. I guess if, uh, if this is something that uh, people like to hear and also like kind of feel like maybe somebody's out there having their back on on this on the stuff that they're not hearing coming from their public servants and uh their media then uh then yeah maybe just keep up with it and since then i started doing some fundraisers for people that were were in need throughout the um throughout the pandemic anybody that was kind of um struggling i did we did one for uh some raising for um, families in need that were struggling to buy groceries and stuff. We did a month long fundraiser for them through my page. Uh, We did uh, one for a buddy of mine that lost his eye doing construction um, and and got put out of work for about four months. And seeing as he was self-employed, he wasn't eligible for any support um, for COVID support wise. And you mean government programs uh, aren't perfect? Yeah, 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 yeah. They kind of uh, leave out anyone that doesn't uh, hang on to their coattails. Uh, anyone who thinks they can do it without, you know, live life without the government, they pretty much cut them out of any of that stuff, uh, which is uh, pretty nuts. But um, yeah, the and then it's just been honestly, it's just been finding it since then. This is like it's the weirdest thing. It's never something I really planned on doing per se. Uh, it was kind of just all right. People are listening people are reacting then there must be something there and i've kind of just realized that i think what it is is that you know by nature whatever is scarce is valuable and i don't think there's a more scarce resource on this planet right now than truth and Mm. so i think anybody who's talking about truth is just going to inherently see the value from that um and, and and i have been in that sense of just not really filtering what i think i don't really get into the science talk about stuff because as much as i hate the notion that anyone without authority can't talk on those subjects i am just like "Ah, i'm probably being more effective just talking about the culture around it all the the psychological aspects that's something i've I've paid a lot of attention to and and read and i've been fascinated by ever since like in my early 20s was just fascinated with psychology so um so yeah, that's kind of where I stick stick to and talking from from that lens. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think I, I was I was very surprised too. As as long as you don't, uh, you know, I think I think anybody who gets like insane negative backlash from speaking their opinions is is probably doing it in a way that they're kind of asking for it. And I was surprised because I had this notion getting into it and getting into the public commentary kind of thing and thinking okay, like, you know, I'm just going to get attacked left, right, and center. And like, man, the vast majority of interactions are insanely positive. So, Mm. uh, yeah, no, it's been, it's been cool. It's been, 
been been an adventure for sure. Yeah, it's amazing that we live in a time where um, we're all connected through the internet, and you post something, <laughs> and then it goes viral relatively, and it's like almost like uh, I don't know, like you have a responsibility mm-hmm. uh, to keep to to ride that wave and keep it going. And then, you know, I think our listeners, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Whatever whatever it is, you post a you post a video on you baking a cake. And then it blows up, and then you're like, "Okay, I need to make more cakes." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah, legit though. But two, I think also like, I think authenticity is what makes things viral in a sense. Yes. Like, yes, um, you know, you can get your, you can get get your cheap hits essentially, and do the do the mind games on on reels and stuff like that, and in kind of back end hack virality but that never really lasts because you might have a video or two that goes viral doing that doing taking that strategy of you know manipulating what you're what you're putting out there but i mean how long can you keep that up for you know it's usually about two or three months goes by where people start realizing maybe you're not that great at making cakes if that's not something you're actually passionate about right Um, right but yeah so so yeah i think uh i think yeah authenticity in 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 truth those two things like are just so so rare these days (laughs) that yeah anybody willing to uh you know i've even shared some pretty uh that was actually one of the first things i i did whenever i first started i was like look i gotta share my shit and air my shit out and like i talked a lot about mental health in the early aspect i was like okay i gotta talk about my scenario with mental health just so nobody thinks i'm coming at this from like a bro instagram mentality of being like no 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 i have really been in the fucking the dumps before so like i Mm -hmm. I get it um but yeah like if you know if you're not willing to do i even think about that with like the motivational speakers online and stuff like half of them it's like what have you done like i've been seeing nothing but you just like regurgitating good talking points essentially but like yeah without any action behind them it's like you know, anybody can go on and make a ranting video about getting out of bed like David Goggins, but it's the fact that you know David Goggins <laughs> runs a fucking hundred miles every weekend that makes that that makes that actually inspiring. Cog. It's like, yeah, I, and I've you've got a pretty broad spectrum of content based on like going back to to what you said, right? Like, if I look, you know, I think the video you referenced, um, if I'm not mistaken, that one was titled something like "A Message to My Generation: The Conversation yeah. No One Is Having." Yeah. You know, you've you've hit 18,000 views almost on that, which I am sure you're yours proud of. Um and as you've said though, I think you're right that it's probably been your most viral. Um as far as like yeah, long long forum, yeah, oh, that was yeah. definitely I I have some reels that and it's and it's funny too cuz like whenever I got into this, I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to do everything exactly how I want, like I'm not going to let these algorithms play with me. And stuff and it's like it's kind of and it's kind of fucked because like even now instagram punishes you dude i can make a video that's one minute and four seconds and it'll get like 500 views but if i make that video literally if i just speed up that video oh. and repost it i'll to get be like a minute like 99 I'll get seconds like, yeah i'll get like 20 to, i'll get it like 20 plus k and it's like so well, like they're, they're just shafting you yeah because essentially Sorry, as explain soon as, that can you explain that to me yeah, so as soon as because reels are uh, like Instagram wants to uh, compete with TikTok, right? So Instagram right. is essentially only rewarding creators that use reels, and so anything over a minute, like with TikTok, you can have videos that are I think they're up to like five minutes now um, for TikTok, but on 
uh, Instagram, their reels are capped at a minute and anything over a minute, then all of a sudden gets classified as like an IGTV video. Yes. And they just don't push. They literally punish you for making IGTV videos. And they've even said now too, where it's like, we're not a picture sharing platform anymore. And it's like, okay, well, you guys are literally just trying to copy TikTok and like you're kind of pigeonholing your creators. Like even I know like, Dude, I know like insanely talented photographers who are like, why the fuck am I making reels about my photos now? Like, it's the only way. But if I don't, my engagement gets shafted by like 75%. Like, so it's like they literally make you uh, use those avenues. And, and I've been actually kind of like looking for somebody who can edit as well so that I can just whatever on, on the daily stuff, all, all focusing on. I'll focus on editing the shorter end stuff and have somebody do the long forum because I miss kind of bringing that nuance uh, a little bit. You kind of get handcuffed when you're trying to shove talking points into a minute. Yeah, and and just for the listener, uh, his Instagram, Liam Out Loud, um, I'll put in the show notes page. Uh, I just looked at, for example, your reels versus your videos on your Instagram page. Like Other than that one that we mentioned that ha- was like from uh, late 2021, um, or yeah, when, let me see. As I'm saying this, that video was from January 2021. That video had 17,000, 18,000 views. The rest of your videos are all, you know, sort of maxing out around a thousand. A couple of them hit, you know, three thousand. But if I go to your reels, you had one that hit 840,000. <laughs> Most years are 5,000 plus. Um, you have another one that's 160,000 views or plays for the reels. And so I just, I'm just looking at pure numbers uh, and I totally see exactly what you're talking about that, you know, 85 K 12 K on reels, 16 K, you know, all over the place, but, but high volume, but any, like you said, Oh, it's a minute and a half and five seconds. It's now, um, you know, classified as a video and it gets no, or a, a, sorry, an IGTV video essentially. And it doesn't, yeah, get the and they same. just, they don't, they won't even show it to anybody that follows you on their homepage and stuff. And it's funny too, because now we sit here as a society and we're like, where'd everyone's attention span go? And it's like, we're literally manufacturing short attention spans. Like, it, like, it, it, it's wild to me that we sit here and like talk about it as if it, it's come out of nowhere or it's like the kids these days. And it's like, no, we're literally, we're being conditioned. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, this isn't by, this isn't by mistake. Well, and what's funny is like, you see that, but at the same time, you see the ex- like explosion of long form, mm-hmm. right? So we've got this like minute long stuff, and then you've got hour plus stuff that seems to be the focus. Anything sort of in between is getting squeezed just because of like the, the algorithms, right? Obviously people who are looking for long form conversations aren't going you know, to Instagram reels to find them. They're, they're yeah. usually hunting them out themselves, podcasts, whatever. But the, the stuff, you know, I think about Facebook and, and Instagram, the social media is not pushing the long form. It's pushing the condensed version. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just had a, 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 we have a podcast episode that'll be out either, you know, around the, t- the week after or the week before this episode, uh, where we were talking about dystopian novels. And one of the things that the, when we were in the conversation, he was mentioning that um, I think it was in 1984 they start condensing terminology. I can't remember; mm-hmm. it might be the wrong one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right? Newspeak. Yeah, Newspeak. Yeah, the Newspeak where they yeah. were like, you know, Ministry of Truth was like mini truth or something like that. Like, and and it was 
this I see a parallel with like what we're doing with like condensing things down to the shortest version to like spoon feed the perspective as opposed to having the nuance of you know substance that that applies to everything mm-hmm. and, yeah and, and even too on on the on the newspeak idea when when you think about the, the wars going on around language right now because mm-hmm. that was the that was the whole concept with newspeak was like confuse the language but also just shorten it and the idea behind that is like if you have a citizenry that can't even have anything resembling a productive conversation because we are so like i mean even think about it right now like what's the what's a main something that's going viral right now it's it's about the um the new supreme court nominee not being able to define woman and it's like we're we're so hung up on words that we can't even have a productive conversation and that's that's and what's crazy is that's actually something straight out of a CIA playbook as to there there was a CIA playbook and there was three steps to um ruin any any company and one of them was infiltrate the the board of advisors and make sure the language around the the company gets so convoluted that nobody can talk about anything productive and it's like it's like that's what we're seeing on like a national scale and it, and it is crazy and like yeah the 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 parallels that i see between both George Orwell's 1984 and, and Aldous Huxley's Brave New World is is like we're we're headed for an amalgamation of those two books and it's not uh, it's not pretty. Wow. So I, I guess we can you know if I transition this to you know you talked a little bit about your freelance work um, and I remember our, our producer sent us the video of you on uh, ET Transport talking about um, false accusations on Freedom Convoy being like hey can we get this guy on the show and I was like <laughs> yeah I've been working on it. Um, but but I, that you know that work um you know i'm i'm curious if you could speak to that a little bit more how did you end up doing stuff like that is that sort of you know when it comes to a you know self-employed freelance person is that sort of the bread and butter of your you know what what's you know how i'll say like how are you making money without giving us specifics but then yeah, yeah. you know this is I, I see this as like new media versus legacy media and i wonder um when it comes to the sort of related to what we were talking about with the short versus long, you know, do you see legacy media sort of having a much different approach than the new media with respect to segments? Because like I think about like what we used to see on the news, right? It's a five minute segment. It barely touches the issue, just gives you like surface level perspective and done. Um, how do you see the difference between, you know, this ET transport? Obviously the, the target audience is much more niche or, or you know, focused. Um, but I'm just curious if you can speak to sort of the different approaches that you've seen and, and probably why you're in the new media world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the freelancing side, I do a bunch of different stuff so that, yeah. So it's, it's funny, the, uh, the ET transport, it's this trucking channel that, uh, does even just breakdowns on like what, like how to essentially maximize your profits with, gas you know the gas prices on the rise all of this kind of they they cover so many topics they actually very rarely get into the the politics stuff and even i'll do videos for them like kind of comparing america's um transport industry to uh china's and like the the differences in in systems that are in place there what's more productive what what systems they're trying to enact with like automation and all this kind of stuff and um so that's one aspect of what I do. Um, I also, I still do the freelancing videography stuff. So I'll do like weddings and, and all of that kind of stuff on the side as well. Um, and then the, the brand videos for, uh, for 
liquor brands and uh sorry sorry what do you mean what do you mean by weddings yeah so like like not like not so like my freelancing work is like all over the board so as far as like where i make money it's like every every aspect is like so i'll literally just go do like wedding after movies for videos for people too like that's what i originally thought i was going to get into with with the videography stuff and this whole media thing is like honestly like that's kind of what i say is like being the unplanned aspect is like Mm -hmm. so i started making videos on my own and then just literally this channel randomly messaged me and was like hey would you want to come do some you know videos on our channel and i was like sure i mean yeah i'll take i'll take money any any day (laughs) um so uh yeah and and then even the honestly everything i do right now is word of mouth like i've been like it's 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 a scraping by thing at the moment um but i'm still even just stoked that you know six months ago I wasn't even thinking anything in the t- realms of being self-employed. And now I'm like sustaining myself self-employed, which is, which is pretty, which is pretty dope. But um, yeah, so it's kind of, it, it's a, it's a big mash of everything. I'm not just in the media realm at the, at, at the moment, but as far as what I see the, the differences is that's, I think that's what it is, is that there's like a level of humanity to the, um, the new media that's kind of coming around where it's like, you know, you see people like, Russell Brand or you see people like Rogan or you see any of these large commentators they all come in with a heavy dose of humiliation like like or sorry humility like they'll be the, humiliation yeah they've uh, had humili- lots of humiliation yeah, yeah they've had lots yeah f- that's why but like you know they'll all come in and they 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 own up to essentially like I fucked up like you know, when was the last you see Rogan all the time be like, hey, I, I fucked this up on on the last podcast. Like I, I got this wrong. Like what like the Antifa um, starting fires thing like he, he came out like immediately afterwards and there was no large public cry for him to do so. And then you see on the other end, the news and you're like, you know, even look at somebody like Matt Taibbi, who's great and he's covered it all in the whole issue around like the Iraq war. It's like the media literally created the Trojan horse to go into Iraq and what happened afterwards. Like it was all a lie and everybody that helped feed that lie got promotions. Like nobody was sitting there being like, oh, we really fucked up. Like, you know, we shouldn't have, you know, these intelligence reports. Like, I don't know if you've uh, heard too much, but essentially what happened there was the intelligence community was like if we just make these reports confusing enough that we give them to the reporter they'll just think the worst like essentially they had nothing in the reports but they were like just make it so confusing to anybody reading it what these military reports would mean that they have to think the worst and just like litter the words weapons of mass destruction throughout them even though we don't have any actual tangible proof of them and so that's what ended up happening it wasn't like a direct like hey we're going to lie to you and we would like you to lie to the public it's like no it's they they got bamboozled but it's like yeah you that's your job as a a journalist or if if you're going to be doing that is to make sure that you can't get bamboozled by these people that want to use your your outlet and um so i think that's a that's a big that's a big thing with the the new media compared to legacy media is just the the honesty of like, hey, we don't actually know what's all going on here. Things are confusing, blah, 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 but let's try and figure it out together. Whereas the news and, and like, I mean, the legacy media will, will just be like, yeah, no, 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 we've got it all figured out. You just trust us, take it on faith. Um, and it's like, well, you continually get it wrong time and time again. So <laughs> like, you know, your faith is kind of wearing out. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and what's funny is, as you were saying that, I was sort of thinking about, you know, 20 years ago, roughly, is the time frame of what you were talking about, weapons of mass destruction. You know, we went from the media, let's say the vast majority of media players being bamboozled, to today, largely, they're just mouthpieces of the government and they know it, willingly. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in Canada. Like, Canada's, you know, media is, is I mean, they're all bought and paid for, right? But, but it's, it's the, I would say, I just look at the last 20 years and see this continued degradation of that behemoth. And in terms of all of them, right? Across the board. I mean, you look at CNN right now, just an absolute dumpster fire trying to, to put it out and turn it around. Well, even think about CBC in terms of Trudeau and, and how, how Trudeau literally said, don't worry if your viewership gets hurt. We will just supplement your losses. Like, so they're literally saying, wow. don't really. Yeah, yeah. There was there was an actual statement put out by Trudeau's government that was like uh, w- to the CBC, which was saying how. Yeah, it, like I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was pretty much like keep doing what we're, you're doing, even though it's hurting your ratings because everyone can see through your bullshit. They were like, keep doing what you're doing, and we'll just up your funding if uh, if you lose viewership. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because um, in school, like, so as a teacher uh, and teaching, there's a subject uh, media literacy um, that that um, students that you got to teach the students, and so. What I'd ask you um, in regards to media literacy, what are what are some things that um, that you that you would recommend uh, to everybody in regards to having good media literacy? Uh, because you know it's a blessing now that we have because of the internet, we do have independent journalists, and uh, we, we we've Joel and I've been echoing the sentiment for a while now that um, you know there are people who know how to navigate that space in regards to uh, curating content that is balanced but then there are those who don't and they rely on traditional uh, legacy media for the information so what are some tips or tricks you can give in regards to um media literacy the 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 biggest one that i've ever uh come across is understanding that people so anytime in an article where it says something along there was actually a very good um in in the cbc there's a good uh, example of this recently, they said uh, a government official behind closed doors said to a CBC reporter, and then went on to talk about this thing about the the freedom convoy. And it's like anything like that is just straight up propaganda. There is no truth to that statement. Like, I'm sorry, you're gonna put into an article some unnamed person said to another unnamed person behind a closed door that um that something happened it's like no that's not that's not reporting um so any any time that there isn't names being put behind opinions um that's pretty much just straight up narrative building and also too just in and it is tough because you know like it's hard with people I don't. I don't think any one source of media is is good. Even even if it's somebody like like Rogan, like I don't think that should be your only source of media. And it's really about finding, say, two or three minimum different differing viewpoints. Whether it's like you know you listen to your Rogan, you listen to uh, your CNN take, and then you listen to the Fox News take, and you kind of got like a whole spectrum there. And then you just go like, okay, what along these three um 
coverings of this story, what what three points between all of them match up. And that's usually where your truth is. And anything on the outside that like one person only said, and it's like, you know, you have to take all that stuff seriously as well. But yeah, I'd, I also also follow the money like follow the money is a big one like like that like that's so huge even just knowing that like even Brought even to you instance, by Pfizer yeah even just knowing that the independent which is hilarious the the uh the news outlet the the independent is 51% owned by the Saudi royal family like so you, you the independent is just pumping out whatever the Saudi royal family wants you to hear at that point so like you kind of have to know who's behind what outlets and i mean honestly i look at that and i you see a lot of people do shaming and i don't even like this kind of stuff where like people will shame the everyday like moms and dads that are raising their kids have a both have full-time jobs and it's like yeah they don't have time to dig and find out who owns what media yeah, company right. mm-hmm. so it's kind of honestly it's like it's it's such a it's such a hole that like i don't even know there's like if there's an easy fix to it per se but i think we're on the right trend and i mean that's what they're trying that's what these media outlets are realizing that that's why these hits are so hard against rogan is because they're going like you know you'll even hear like brian stelter on cnn be like why doesn't anybody want to listen to us anymore like we're the, <laughs> they don't even have a fact checker room and it's like well your fact checkers don't fact check so like yeah nobody gives a fuck yeah so like nobody gives a fuck so like of course they're gonna go listen to them but yeah i I, like i don't really see a quick fix to it i think there's just gonna be a big big power grab right now on information and i mean that's what you're seeing with the the increased censorship and i that's essentially how they're fighting the battle now is they're not even they're not even participating in the information war from a sense of like okay i'm gonna fight your good information with my better information it's like no i'm just going to say that you can't say your good information mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and i think you know your point about the independent is an interesting one um i i would word it slightly differently and i think using rt is a really good example in that i would have worded it that the saudi family prevents things they don't want seen that's true yeah right as opposed for, yeah. to sort of pushing the entire newsroom Right, it's more of a gatekeeper or a veto role, and so my joke with regards to RT is like people are like, "Oh, it's Russian news." Da, da, da. I was like, "So I don't trust it on Russia, but I trust it very well on Canada." Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? because like when RT is talking about Canada, sure, there may be an opportunity for propaganda, especially during the war right now. Con- you know that stuff that's going on, but pre that, right? Let's say 2020, 2021, anything coming out about our, out of RT on Canada. I don't really see a reason to be propagandized. And mm-hmm. and so there's a likelihood that the that's going to be less biased on Canada and more they will be most likely biased on Russia. It's like the same thing with CBC. I trust them more other than US. I trust them more on other countries reporting than I do on Canadian con- ca- Canadian content. Because yeah, they're, they're like, inherently I mean, biased. Yeah, I actually think, uh, and I think that's that's a framing I'll steal for sure. Is that yeah, because because it is a little bit uh, myopic to say that they create a hundred percent of the narrative, whereas yeah, it's it's definitely much more um, on point to say they they hold back, and and yeah, that's what you have to be aware of too. I think there's a saying where it's, um, I think Will Ryush said it, or no, it was Sagar. Sagar said it recently. Um, 
he said, uh, actually, that's a great one. If anybody is looking for like one media source, uh, breaking points with Crystal and Sauger is a great, uh, you can find them on YouTube as well. That's like a great, uh, Sauger is a conservative and Crystal is a liberal and they just have very good conversations from two differing points about uh, very pertinent topics. But um, he had a saying, which is what they don't show you is more important than what they show you. And that's also kind of that's something you got to keep in mind with the with the propaganda side as well is like, yeah, that's where you have to go to like other countries, news sources sometimes to find out about your own country, because, of course, your own country's not going to tell you the bad things about it. Um, so, you know, when we see. Like just the straight up lies is what what's happening around our country right now, even even everything from the covid stuff to to inflation to i mean it's all intertwined but like the whole lies around it are just are just insane like i mean they won't take any personal responsibility for any of it so you do have to go elsewhere to find the accountability mm-hmm. no I, I think that's a very very true point um you know there's a good website uh i'll mention that darnell shared with me uh before this podcast it's called i all sides.com uh, i'll put it in the show notes page it's it's a pretty like the similar concept of to what you've said right um, this is more about having friends intentionally. That's sort of the impetus behind this organization. But having conversations with people who have different views than you, similar to what you had said, right? Take in the Fox News, take in this, take in that. And so you have a plethora of perspectives because mm-hmm. there's just so much noise at the same time. And I think where, where you see the overlap is, is helpful. But I will say this, with respect to Ukraine, People have been asking me, you know, where am I? At? What do I think? So the the great one liner that I or you know, punchline I would say is like, I'm against the Ukraine government, I'm against the Russian government, I'm for the innocent people in both countries. Mm-hmm. But my quote about sort of the media is when everybody is telling you the same story, and I use the in I think I made a Facebook post that I said, when the new cathedral is all telling you the same story, it's likely just that a story. Mm-hmm. And so you also have to be worried about when everybody's saying the same thing. Yeah. Right? Like how much sure. is Russia news from, let's say, Fox and CNN have a massive overlap, whereas, you know, other issues don't have that same overlap. Yeah. If you want to find out what's into this is like the great thing about YouTube is now like you don't even have to necessarily go and find interpretations of what things are happening. You can go to I mean, there's a great video. Um, from a year ago about Putin on the World Economic Forum stage doing a it's like a 40 minute uh, speech on um, on at Davos. And he talks about kind of how, yeah, this this American um, world domination plan of this this whole great reset, this idea that, you know, the one world, the new world order and pretty much was saying a year ago how this would lead to and all all against all war is what he called it um and it's like yeah i don't know i i want to go straight to the devil's tongue too like you know if i'm going to be sitting here being told what uh you know what putin's doing all of this kind of stuff it's like i'd rather just go listen to putin and be like Mm -hmm. what's he doing that doesn't mean i'm i'm sitting there being like yeah i love everything you're saying like i mean yeah the, the guy's clearly um fucking he's 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 on some he's on it he's on one right now um but uh 
yeah, like you got to go straight, straight to the, straight to the source. And we can do that now. You can listen to straight from what Trudeau actually said. You can listen to straight what Zelensky actually said. You can listen to what Putin. Uh, Putin has actually said you can listen to what Biden has actually said you don't really need even these these media middlemen essentially anymore like that can be like here's what I think about what this person said Mm -hmm. that's a good point yeah Darnell talks about uh, going to the source material uh, pretty pretty regularly as I I mean especially in the the let's call it the race debate Um, you know we, we had an episode where just you know, talking about the um, the abolitionist and what did they hold to his views? Because you've got people today propaganda or propagating that oh, the abolitionists held this view. When when you go to the source material, it's like wait a second, that's actually a misrepresentation. Yeah, so, like right. I mean, even even you could think about it, it goes way past any any politics. Even like you can look at fucking philosophers like you know Nietzsche got branded as a as a Nazi for a long time even though in his books he openly talks about anti-semitism or, uh, like being over like being rampant in Europe and how disgusting it was like he he was not a fan of anti-semitism at all and what happened afterwards was his sister ended up taking all of his workings after he died because she got the rights to them and then convinced the Nazis that his whole concept about an Ubermensch was really about German superiority. And then they just ended up using uh, Nietzsche's work as propaganda, essentially, for the Nazis. And, you know, if you go read his actual books, he's talking about everything that they're doing as like these... I mean, he died before they were, but like any of the the group tribalism, any of that kind of stuff about how just ridiculous it all is. So it's like you have to go to the you have to go to the source. And I don't even you know, anytime somebody tells me and it it really sucks because like now we're we're at this point where they've cried wolf so many times what no matter what it is. and, And like, I don't even like living in this headspace. But, you know, somebody says like that person's racist. I would rather live in a world where I can just be like, yeah, that person's probably racist. But like now people are like, that person's racist. And I go like, probably not. Mm. Like, like, like I, I want to live in a world where when people say things about other people, like you can, you can take it with some, at least be like, okay, maybe it's not, I'm not getting the whole story, but there's at least some, some accuracy in these, these ideas. But like, yeah, even somebody like, I mean, even so you look at somebody like Rogan and it's like, I have not met anybody that dislikes Rogan that has actually listened to him. Mm-hmm. like like you can you can sit there and be like oh like i'm not a huge fan of the show it doesn't really do it for me but like nobody that has actually listened to him has ever been like that that dude's evil like he needs to be taken off the air it's like you know it's all these third i mean it's the same thing with jordan peterson like you know it's it's anybody that they're essentially playing telephone with their opinions of people and it's just like and it, we're, that's where we're at in the world now like i mean even even i saw uh saw somebody talking about uh i saw an article yesterday about how russell brand is now a uh a uh commentator for the far right and you're like what the fuck like the guy is literally a hippie like he's he's more hippie than 1970s hippies like what the fuck like how is he in how is he some far right figure um so yeah we've we've just reached this this point where it's our perception of people is so distorted as to what they actually are yeah, no, totally. I, I think for me, when I'm now, especially doing doing the Sixth Sense report for so long, uh, I've definitely my discernment in my uh, 
and trying to navigate me, uh, media has definitely changed. So, for example, um, I don't take my 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 cues like I don't take my my social or moral cues from what I hear on the news. Uh, whether whether it's from the left or from the right, whether it's conservative or liberal, a lot of times is when people come and ask me, my my, my straight up answer is like I don't know. I have to think about it. Mm-hmm. But but then but it would be like, well, what's there to think about? Clearly, X is the way, right? X is the way. But in but just navigating media, I'm just like, well, no, actually, I, I don't know, and I need time. So people are like, oh yeah, so wait, you should be on top of this. I'm like, yeah, but but doing the work to find out uh, both sides and actually going to checking out primary sources and then when finding it and then thinking about it, that stuff takes time, man. And so I'm always weary about people telling me um, what side to be on. Yeah. And it's always from a moral lens too. It's never from a, it's never from rationale. It's always because that's right. (laughs) It's always because this is what's right. This is the good thing. And it's like, well, literally that whole concept in and of itself is subjective. Like the whole idea of morality is insanely subjective. Um, so like I think I I tend to not go towards any party and be like, okay, this is this is the the moral party. This is the one that's got my back. And I, I grab all of my principles from from philosophers of ages that were different from us, like, you know, the Marcus Aureliuses, the the Nietzsche's, the Youngs. Um like looking back at history you kind of have to take yourself out of of the present moment because like you even look at some of the philosophers like i would say like the most prominent present day philosopher is is peterson like a lot of sure he gets dragged into political conversations every now and again but most of what he's talking about is like i mean if you go listen to his maps of meaning um on on youtube it's like that's that's as, as, as philosophical as it gets and I think we'll look back at him on, in 200, 300 years from now and, and realize that he was the philosopher of this time, much like a Nietzsche or a Jung. And it's, it's funny because like I'll have people, I have a lot of heavily left-leaning friends, like essentially the woke crowd that I rip on a lot. And it's like I rip on the ideas, but maybe not necessarily the people. But like the, you know, you'll have them say stuff like, I really like Young, but then say that they can't stand Peterson. And I'm like, well, Peterson is literally a Jungian psychologist applying Young's theories to today's present landscape. So like people like those ideas of of pastimes because there's not like the the present day emotion attached to them of whatever conflicts are happening. So they can kind of just see like back at they're not they're not attached to whatever scenario is happening. So they can see the ideas clearly. But it's once all of a sudden those ideas are being attached, whether it's, you know, group guilt and or tribalism or any of these these things that are like. Just. Objectively terrible ideas and. Yeah, it's great in a historical sense. Everyone loves them. But when you start talking today about, hey, how maybe we shouldn't make um, immutable characteristics are defining figures, then people all of a sudden start getting a little bit antsy because they're like, well, no, 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 we have to, to deal with these issues that are happening presently. But then when you look back at history, you're like, oh my God, how could they be so tribalistic? And it's like, we, we kind of just, 
get emotional. And I, I do think that we need to essentially have our principles from, I mean, that's what, you know, religion was in a sense too. And that was Nietzsche's whole concept of the death of God was that, you know, there's some, there's some things that humans won't be able to answer for themselves. And we do need, um, kind of, kind of something based in faith to provide those answers to us. Cause science won't give us all of the answers, like the meaning of life and stuff. And it's like, so I really do think that we need to develop our moral stances and our ideas on principles and essentially our character from some of those minds, like, like looking back a little bit more that don't necessarily have a, uh, have a idea as to what, or sorry, they don't have a vested interest in today's society going a certain way, because that's what you see now with like looping back to everybody making it about morality. They, you know, you're talking people, you know, Hitler, Hitler would have made like the his whole final solution was was a moralistic viewpoint. He was a victim, like he viewed himself as a victim. So I really do think we need to like take ourselves out of these positions to find our moral stances and then not budge on them under present circumstances. And I think that's the big thing is like people essentially picking when they want to be principled and when they don't. Right, right. Yeah, no, well, okay, so for me as a as a Christian, the way the way we see morality is Jesus Christ is our righteousness. So our righteousness is imputed to us. It's 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 given to us. So I'm in the, in the sight of God. I'm seen as perfect. I am justified. I'm right with God, despite my fallenness and foolishness and sinfulness and wickedness. And the way how that plays into me navigating media is because I know I'm righteous. Not because I'm a good person, but because of the work of Christ. I don't feel the need to virtue signal. I don't, I don't feel any pressure from somebody to say, oh, if you're not down with X, you're not, being, you're not a good person. You're not a good Christian. Well, the Bible teaches there's no such thing as good people. The only people who, 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 who are good, right? Like that, like that old saying by um, um, uh, Paul Washer, right? Good people go to hell. Right, so I'm not trying to be a good person. I'm I'm already justified. I'm I'm still working on myself and things I got to straighten out. But I don't because because of the righteousness of Christ that I have, I don't ever ever feel the need to capitulate to the masses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, dude, proselytizing morality is just not a. Yeah, I, I like I can't I can't get around that idea at all. Whether it's in a religious sense, whether it's in a political sense, any of that uh, idea is like, yeah, no, you don't get to decide. You you this singular person or this institution or this entity don't get to decide what's moral for the rest of us. That's kind of a like morality in my lens is something that humanities and societies, or sorry, humanity and societies altogether. It, it's it's a group effort essentially to be like, Hey, this is what we're going to, um, you know, it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg essentially. And in regards to laws and morality, it's like, no, we decide as a society, as a group, as a collective, that something is not okay anymore. And then laws are changed to reflect that. Whereas now what you're seeing is like these pushes to make laws for morality that we haven't necessarily decided on as a society yet. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like that idea at all that all of a sudden there's this, there's this institution or this figure that can, can all of a sudden, yeah, 
especially now, you know, in present day mandate morality, essentially. Well, what's funny is when you say that, so there, there's two things um, that come to my mind. First is, you know, what Darnell was talking about. I, I've been using, I stole this term from a podcast. Um, essentially, we see performative virtue signaling or performative virtue. So it's the virtue signaling itself is what people perceive as virtue as opposed to normal, like the virtue signaling was supposed to be signaling of the virtuous thing you did, but the performance of virtue signaling has become the virtue. Mm. Yeah, that is, that is true because it's not even necessarily whether there's anything behind the actions. Like, you know, it's funny to me because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty against the whole, you know, the, the, the virtue idea of, I mean, people won't even come out and say it, but like, you know, this whole push for, um, for, for communism and, uh, and, and bringing up and smashing capitalism and all this. It's like, it's, it's supposed to be this like virtuous idea as to like, well, you know, it's unfair. Capitalism is exploiting people. And I'm like, well, what have you done to help anything in your community? You talk about these, like enacting these laws to, you know, help, help people that are, are worse off. And I'm like, all I hear coming out of your mouth is what would benefit you, but you're disguising it as what would benefit everybody. And like, even for me, it's like, I, I speak out about that kind of stuff all the time. These, these political views of, of, of far left um, political that, I mean, are running rampant in today's society. And it's like, I don't know, I've raised a fair chunk of money over the last two and a half, three years for people that are in need through multiple fundraisers. Like, I think I'm up to somewhere like 70 K now. And it's like, and it's like, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like I look at that and I just look at people on the outside. I'm like, you haven't even literally volunteered for one Sunday to help your community. And now you're wanting to mandate laws that, that all of a sudden you're so for the community. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I like, yeah, this, this idea mm -hmm. of, of, mm -hmm. and then going back to your idea where it's like, that's where the virtue is. The virtue is saying like, I want to enact these laws to help out the community. And it's like the, the, and then you get claps and you get applauses for that, but then they don't actually have to fucking do anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're not actually serving anyone. You're not, you're not doing You're not actually helping people. You're just mandating other people to try to help people. And yeah, and like whether my, or not it even happens is not even relevant. <laughs> dude, I had a, uh, I had a defining moment in my childhood and I, I actually talked to my dad recently about it. And I was like, do you remember this? And cause he, he was talking to me about, um, why I feel the need to, cause he was kind of like trying to pick my brain being like, why do you like put yourself on the line? Like sometimes these fundraisers will go for like a month at a time. And, uh, and, he was like, why do you uh, feel the need to to help people? And I was like, dad, like you used to do shit like this all the time growing up. Like maybe it wasn't necessarily like a fundraiser, but I was like, I remember one time we were going through a Tim Hortons uh, drive through and my dad just bought like the order behind the, the car behind him. This was like long before the whole pay it forward idea. And he just randomly started buying people's uh, like Tim Hortons coffee anytime I was in the truck with them. And he would go out of his way to be like, yeah, um, don't tell anybody I did that. And I was like, why? He's like, I don't know. It just, nobody like really needs to know. So like anybody that is, and that was like a defining moment for me. Obviously I do the fundraising stuff. So like, I'll talk about the fundraisers as I'm doing them, but the whole idea of making your virtue, your identity is just like, it's, 
I don't know. It like it, it comes with zero cost to me whenever I see these people doing it. Like there you're not putting anything on the line for yourself and you're just trying to reap all the benefits of being positioning yourself as a moral person. And I just don't see that getting us anywhere in long term, both whether it's the individual doing it or whether it's society as a whole. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious um your take. I have this uh perspective that you know, separation of church and state almost needs to now incorporate sort of a secular church concept. Going back to what you were saying, right? We want to legislate morality to some extent, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, you know, let's say a constitutional or, you know, rights based of, of what government's role is, where to protect those things. Instead, we're now, you know, using government to legislate morality. It goes back to the saying where it's like uh, politics is downstream from culture. But I, as you've described it, it's like, politicians are trying harder and harder to shape culture through legislation and i think we're going to see continue to see sort of this conflict that that results in demonstrating the inability to even do so Um, but i'm curious you know your thoughts on that as well as does there need to sort of be an incorporation of separation of morality and state agree or disagree with our views give us your two cents You can leave your comments on any of our social media platforms or email us at sixcentsreport at gmail.com. Six cents makes six cents makes six cents makes. I think for sure. And because I think what ended up happening was when we separated church and state, and I mean, the the whole concept of Nietzsche's death of God is, and this is something I've written and talked about, is our deep-rooted, like, religious tendencies that are in our, like, I mean, anybody who thinks that the beliefs of our ancestors for the last tens of thousands of years aren't still lingering in our thought processes it's like it's a it's we're not that clean we're not that clean slate of humans we come with some some programming and spirituality and religiousness is a deep part of that programming and this is something like dude i was an outspoken atheist for most of my life and i I wouldn't say i've joined any specific religion but i've definitely opened myself up to spirituality in in a big sense because i'm like okay yeah there are answers that we cannot provide ourselves with so we do need to look to something a little bit more spiritual in that uh to to solve that problem and you know i I talk about how i don't really think we ever did a clean separation of church and state and now it's more so that we just look at the state as the church like like Mm -hmm. the state the state is appropriating it now but like we don't worship you know biblical deities anymore we worship political gods and that's what you're seeing like people are putting their their religious essentially their like programming for religious um and faith in religiousness and faith into politicians like you can literally see it like you know this party is the devil and our leader is god that's going to you know usher in save us yeah is going to usher in and yeah salvation and it's like it's it's literally religious thinking now in terms of politics and so i think it's like dangerous in that sense and i don't really know what the fix is for that but like i definitely do think the 
I, I tend to be a little bit libertarian in that sense where it's like anything that only brings harm to yourself should not be law. Like if you want to, I'm not saying this is something I would support or openly say is a good idea for anybody, but like if you do heroin all day, like maybe you shouldn't go to jail for that unless you're robbing people to get money for your heroin um, or any of that sense. So it's like, I don't really think we should be more like, you know, legislating what is and isn't moral, but we've definitely got into that realm, especially since, you know, at early 1900s that started kicking off where it was like okay we're going to start legislating what makes you a good human and it's like i don't i don't, I don't like that path at all mm-hmm. yeah well and i think the problem using drugs is a good example it fails to actually wrestle with hey is this something we should be solving on and i'll use a political it's like a subsidiary level right like what is the lowest level that we should actually solve these problems at has become so foreign to all of politics right it's all about federal government, whether it's in America and Canada, right? But they continue pushing more and more things to a federal level. And, and I think that has to do with the way that we elect people, the, the celebrity side of politics. All of that continues to drive this impetus to like, oh, we need to central plan solution everything as opposed to actually wrestling with effective solutions as opposed to well-motivated slogans behind a, a legislation yeah and well i mean that's literally the world we're in now is even if you look at the the uh the group kind of running everything from if, if you were to try to name them it would be the world economic forum and like kind of their surrounding people but every, everything they do is through slogans and symbols and it's like it's just this short like i mean those aren't real solutions like you know equ- like hashtag equality for all it's like where does that fucking get us like you know we need a little bit more deeper thinking than this yeah and then also just being like okay we're just going to legislate that everybody is equal and therefore we're going to like i mean did you see what the ontario's teacher union did recently like i think it was a couple months ago they made it so that if you're so if a if a 50 50 white to minority representation doesn't happen naturally then they are going to downweight the white votes to and upweight oh, the minority yeah. votes to yeah, um that's right. so it's like okay well halton all, i think like, it was uh halton halton district school board yeah the the weighted voting okay uh, that was halton yeah yeah it was yeah. halton yeah 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 and i'm like that's a terrible idea and actually will Ryush had a great um great insight on that he goes he, he was saying how it, it's inevitable that that will lead to anti-Semitism. Like if you look at a lot of the white faculty in schooling is Jewish. So he's like, you're actually going to end up, it was something down in the States. He was, uh, it was like 40% of, of white teachers in his school board. I think it was, uh, were, were Jewish. And it's like, so yeah, you're going to end up, you're going to end up, I guess it's just the whole visible minority thing too. That doesn't make sense to me where, where that's where we're legislating equality from from that realm now where it's like there's no idea of minorities outside of sexuality gender and skin it's like well yeah there there's all sorts of minorities for that kind of stuff uh that that are going to get left out of all of those conversations and it's like where do you draw that line and i think that's where it, that's what we're seeing right now is too is where is the line on all of this? Where is the line on mandating morality? Because, I mean, there's people that have tried to do it in the past, um, and it, it's never really worked out that well. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I think it comes back to my to my sentiment about like being grounded in what righteousness is, so you don't feel the need to 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 be a part of the group think. And so part of it is now it's, it, you're not really you're not necessarily concerned about um, being morally upright, but you're concerned with being logically right like academically right like does this actually make sense versus um right like policies you know just because a policy has a good intention doesn't mean it's going to have a good outcome and so it's important for us to uh well not just us but just pe- just in general as a whole to to think through the policies and the ideas intellectually and trying to come to the intellectually correct conclusion versus does this look good on paper? Am I perceived as virtuous with this opinion? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and yeah, I mean that that is just. I mean the uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? So I, I don't see that. I I do genuinely worry about it, and it's funny because like this this whole getting into the politics realm and commentating on it is like I got dude, I got so disillusioned by all of the politics. I got like into it a little bit in 2016, obviously, whenever the whole Trump Clinton campaign was going on. And then I in like 2017, I was like, this shit is just too ridiculous. Like (laughs) I started really focusing on health and philosophy and all that kind of stuff. I didn't even pay attention to modern day politics anymore for a long time. And then it wasn't until like 2021 that I was like, "Okay, I need to really start paying attention to this shit again, because I I think my life. Yeah. And I think too, and I think that's where we're at right now, where we have to kind of get out of this realm of thinking that, um, you know, if we live in a true democracy, which I don't think we do, uh, and I don't think we maybe ever have, then, you know, every citizen's essentially voice, because we're told that that voice is through our vote, but I mean, our our votes are so, I've got a whole issue with that whole process anyways, but um, it's like, that doesn't really actually go that far. So really what we have to do is talk in the public square and citizens have to lead that charge because otherwise, and that, and that's what really worries me about the the current state of affairs right now is, is the whole idea of only those people can talk about it. Like I've had people, I've started anybody that comes at me now, I don't care how rude they are. I will confirm their view and I will ask them to go on an Instagram live and talk to me about it. I'll be like, like, even if somebody says the meanest shit to me, I'm like, yeah, you are right. Like I am probably a fucking idiot. Um, I would, I would love to learn more if, if you want to have come online and, uh, hop on an IGTV live with me and have a, uh, civil conversation. Like I, I would love to, I'd love to have my blind spots checked and I'll literally frame it like that. And nobody is willing to, and I've had people, um, say like uh, there was a friend i posted it on my stories recently there was there was somebody that reached out to me and i said uh gave that exact statement pretty much and they were like i'm not an authority on this and it's like we're literally just talking about that what we think of this protest like it was in regards to the freedom convoy protest i was like why can't two people get online and talk about their opinions on this thing like why do you feel the need to have be an authority figure like who is an authority figure on the freedom convoy and that's what they do is they they take these author the, it's authority, the cbc of course yeah yeah <laughs> it's like they take the talking points from authority and they're like i can parrot these authoritative points and then but i can't i'm not allowed to bring any of them my own to the table so it's like that that's what i really worry about more so is like the, this idea that we can't 
talk without like that like we literally don't even have the right to talk about these things it's it's i don't know it really worries me no i think i think that's a fair point i i generally tend to troll those people on twitter with a a, a tweet a gif of or gif or whatever you want to call it of uh the npc army yeah, yeah. Face. <laughs> just like because i think it's a, you know ha- has anyone taken you up on that offer to to no. actually have a conversation when they're you know critical or rude in, in their criticisms no i probably tossed out a hundred offers wow. and uh i've got nothing that's uh that's crazy literally most of them most of them won't even respond and then uh i actually had one person recently be like because it was on in regards to my uh video against uh talking about ibram kendi uh saying how capitalism to love capitalism is to love racism and to love racism is to end up loving capitalism. And I said, uh, and I was like, that's kind of ironic coming from the guy who charges $25,000 an hour for a public speech. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. and I got some, got some pushback on that. And I asked, I was like, yeah, would you like to come on and like, yeah, talk about the nature of capitalism then? Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they said, sure. I charge $10,000 an hour for my time. And I was like, then why are you in a comment section? Like these people, like they, they're just so fucking like, I don't know, this whole idea where it's like, I, I also really don't like the, you see it coming out of that thought camp a lot where it's, um, it's not my job to educate you. And it's like, what? Like, mm-hmm. what are we doing mm-hmm. here if we're not mm-hmm. talking and mm-hmm. trying to find common ground? If, if, if the right. only thing we can do is, is I'm right. And then it's up to you to go educate yourself on why I'm right. Like, I, I've, I don't know. I'm getting so disillusioned by the public conversation. And I, I started, when I started this project, I was very like, I'm going to do that ground. Like between when I was talking about how I had the anti and the pro crowd both latch onto my first video. And I was like, oh, I'm onto something here. And then now I've just realized that the minute you even give the ones, I mean, I mean, it's, you know what? It's actually both too. Like I, I talked about, um, I talked about the, uh, like some, some xenophobia coming from the, uh, like essentially the, the notion that immigrants are lazy and they're stealing our jobs, like can't coexist in the same world. Like either they're stealing our jobs or they're lazy. Um, and, uh, and, and, could the conservative crowd got just as triggered as that as any, any as any woke crowd did but it's like that's i don't know that's where like i get worried as these conversations now are just so like say what i want you to say so that you can make me so that i reaffirm my world view or fuck you and uh and yeah no it's uh it's it's a, it's a tough time for for conversations yeah we got to find a way to turn them around uh Definitely, and and I think I think what you're doing is a good thing, uh, in regards to yeah, always giving um, those who who oppose your view uh, like a platform for for conversation, and I think, and I and, and Joel and I kind of say this too, like you know, you know, we want to see more more dialogue, less monologue, and then sometimes when you have a platform, people are reluctant, um uh to 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 get it in with you if you have a platform and especially if you invite them on uh to go back and forth because uh, it could be sometimes they could be kind of intimidated by by like a platform in general mm-hmm. yeah and that's a real thing but uh honestly if and in to me i look at that and go like well if you're scared of that then you shouldn't be sharing your opinions, whether it's in a comment section or whether it's on a, on an Instagram live. And that was a big part of when I first started 
doing this. I, I remember like having a conversation with my friend after like my second or third video. And I was like, dude, I don't know if I can keep doing like putting my face. I was getting like serious, serious like anxiety attacks before like posting videos and stuff. Like when I posted that first video I did of a message to my generation, it was I, I deleted Instagram, all social media and shit off of my phone for four days. I had a few friends text me and be like, yo, your videos like popping off. And I was like, don't talk to me about it. Like I was like, I don't even want to I don't even want to pay attention to it right now because I was so nervous of like putting my thoughts out there. But it's right. like I, I still but after that second or third video, like I decided I was like, no, like I don't want if if I think that what I have to say is important enough, then I should also think it's important enough to put my face and name beside it. And I think that's yeah. what we're yeah. we're missing is, is like everybody feels like, okay, my voice needs to be heard. My voice needs to be heard. But then as soon as there there's any sort of essentially skin in the game, then all of a sudden they don't want their voice to be heard. And it's like, well, that's not how it works, I don't think. I think you right. have to. Right. Yeah, you have to you have to own up to it all. And that's kind of why I decided that I was going to continue doing, you know, putting myself in front of the camera and not just doing voiceover stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, ideas have consequences. And a lot of times, you know, when we when we uh, admire people in history, they're like, oh, man, I love Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. But back then. You know, people didn't like Martin Luther King Jr. because yeah, they hated him. Right. Well, 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 it got him killed. Like his yeah. ideas got him killed. And so a lot of times as we kind of miss that and we're kind of like, well, yes, um, we admire him. But are we actually learning from the courage that a lot of these people from the past has shown putting their ideas out there, putting their face, like you said, putting their face next to their ideas and putting their livelihood on the line and it goes back to what you said liam that that this is this is why people go viral this is why people um subscribe right uh to particular pages because it's authentic right you're being you and you're putting truth out there and people are are, are gravitating to it yeah i mean i i kind of re and i do realize that i was in a different scenario than a lot of people like I recently actually, this is so wild. And uh, so I, I don't know the full story, but my girlfriend's um, friend was just let go of their job because they wouldn't come out in full support and weren't posting online about um, about standing with Ukraine. And it was because they were about to go over to Europe and do some, uh, it was like a nonprofit. And they were about to go over to Europe to do some sort of work. And because this person hadn't uh, been verbally outspoken, they decided that it wasn't best for them to participate. And it's like, that's fucked. Um, you know, you can't even go and do the work unless you've become an activist online. And uh, but I think on the other side where it's like there's kind of, you know, a form of activism that's just accepted and is like cheered on. And then anything outside of that activism is, is considered um, a dangerous idea. And anybody espousing those dangerous ideas does pay real consequences. And I think that's maybe why I was a bit um, more willing to do so as well is because like COVID literally wiped out my job and my passion project. So like I lost everything. So I was like, fuck, okay. If all I got left is my voice, like you're going to hear it. Like that's, you can't, <laughs> you can't, that's literally the only thing you can't take from me. You've already taken everything else. So I, I think I'm in a unique situation in that sense as well, where it's kind of like my back was thrown up against the wall and it was like, all right, yeah, cool. Like there is no real consequences you can give me now. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I want to close the loop slightly on something you said earlier. Your comment about Ibram X. Kendi actually is when, when we were talking about his book is where Darnell brought up going back to the source material because he makes comments about, oh, anti-capitalist, capitalist, but it, it actually doesn't align with the original writings of those, you know, about abolitionists and anti-abolitionists. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, so sort of sidebar, but but your your point is valid because in terms of you know that that commentary, they they just like well he said it and it sounds morally okay, so I'm gonna keyboard courage telling someone else why they're wrong without even understanding what what is he saying? It, like he's he's got a slogan, right? Oh, capitalism is you know racist. Okay, explain it. Expound yeah. that point. Why do you think he's right? Oh, I can't do that. I'm just going to morally align myself with this performative virtue. And and to your point, like, you know, you got the Twitter eggs doing the same type of thing, right? Where it's like you can say the most crudest thing to somebody online because you're like, well, it's anonymous. And and I think it's Jordan Peterson, but I, I don't know who I heard this from, but it's like our social media commentary has most of it. I mean, maybe maybe mostly Twitter is this. It's like shop talk. It's just like the the off the cuff sort of comments that you would make in in a you know work sort of social environment, but now you're saying it to somebody else who you don't know, who's not you know you've got this extra level of courage, but it's that that type of talk. Obviously, the the things you say are different, but you know the way you would talk to somebody, you know, just casually off the cuff comment um, when you hear about you know some piece of news, right? There's actually a psychological effect there too, with people being a little bit more uh, um, prone to aggression and stuff in conversation on comment sections and all of that. If you think about this, it's it's actually the exact same thing that drives us to um, road rage, which is so when we are with a person, we can pick up on their facial features and their body language. So we can pick up if somebody says something and you know, even, even the difference of tone between like, Hey, that's, that's a really nice shirt or Hey, that's a nice shirt. It's like, you've got two completely different tones there, or even you can see my facial gesture. I mean, we're talking on, uh, just audio. So it's like, you can't, but at the moment, but in real time, you would be able to see even whether I say that sentence with a smile, whether I say it with whether my eyes are a little bit pinched and I'm being questioning to you, I'm being a little bit more aggressive to you. And we pick up on all those, uh, those, those subtle features to our face very, very quickly. Like, I mean, that's, we were literally involved to do that. Yeah. I mean, we don't even have to consciously uh, process all of that. So when you're in a comment section, you can't actually see how somebody is approaching it. And what ends up happening is essentially your subconscious defaults to one of two things. Your subconscious will either think of, depending on your past experiences, it will either think and default to strangers or mean spirited uh, people trying to take advantage of you at any opportunity or it means or or your subconscious will go like that person probably didn't mean that or like strangers aren't inherently evil um so if your subconscious defaults to the former then yeah like anything that questions you in any sort of uh comment section or whether it's the person you know that accidentally just cut you off it's like you're going to think that they did it on purpose you're going to think that they wanted to um you know, that they were out out to get you. Whereas if maybe if you saw their face after they did that, maybe when you honked, they were like genuinely like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. And meanwhile, you're, you know, one car back and you're fucking losing your shit. 
about this person that feels terrible about what they just did. And it's the same thing in the comment sections where it's like, yeah, you literally get a little comment and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this person's trying to take advantage of me. This person's like trying to ruin me. And you just start going off the fucking cuff. And it's like at that point, there's no getting reeling you back in. And so like there's a real disconnect in our way of communicating with um, online right now. And I actually heard uh, there was Mark Zuckerberg was on the Lex Friedman podcast recently. And there was a it was a very cool um, interview because Lex actually kind of pushed him on some on some things I hadn't heard interviewers push him on before, like some of the ethics on what he does. But actually, I thought Zuckerberg brought up like a really good point. He's like, even our best technology to have virtual conversations aren't good like if you even think about zoom he's like we can't even make eye contact it's impossible to make eye contact because either i'm looking at my camera like directly into my camera so that you can have a semblance of eye contact or i'm looking at my screen at your eyes and you're and now you're not getting eye contact from me so he's like even on the like the most advanced software that we have so far we can't even have anything resembling a in-person conversation and i was like yeah like i think that too is a big issue with our communication issues that are happening across the globe right now where we're not even able to have effective conversations because we've cut the human aspect out of it so now it's just all emotion it's all just essentially what's pre-bottled into you and then you're just fucking letting it loose on whoever comes across Mm -hmm. the wrong way that uh that that comment reminds me about what uh Elon Musk had said on Joe Rogan's podcast sort of just a regarding sort of a data throughput threshold that's sort of the a huge limitation to to what you're talking about right so like if we even in, if our technology was more advanced the amount of data that would be required to sort of get let's say our VR sort of experience where you can actually make eye contact the data throughput, you know, and, and maybe VR is not the right word. Think of more like holographic sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the data throughput that we have as like a technological capacity is too limited to actually do those things. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, a, I, I remember this was like two years ago, maybe even longer. I think it was the one where uh, Elon had a little uh, cigar blunt in his mouth. <laughs> I, I could be wrong, but I think it was that episode where, where he basically made that comment that we have this through data throughput issue at that's limiting some of the advances that we can make yeah i mean even take that outside of communication and technology or sorry i guess just communication because it's still in technology but you look at what we're doing with the whole you know push for electric vehicles right now and like we don't even have enough resources to have everybody on that operating system um and I mean, even that comes with its own issues as well. Like nobody wants to talk about the uh, negative effects of mining lithium that come with huge effects and costs to the. Uh, what do you mean? Energy. Green yeah. energy is the way <laughs> of the future, and it will solve all of our problems. Yeah, I know. I it's don't like, It's like we can't make the we can't make the pipeline. We can't make a pipeline because it's going to negatively affect indigenous communities. But meanwhile, the in Chile, where twenty five percent of the world's lithium comes from, there's eighteen. Uh, indigenous communities surrounding that mine that no longer have clean water because of the lithium mining and it's like well okay you're just exporting your fucking conscious at that point like that's i mean that's where we're getting to but yeah talking about what you're saying i think we're actually going to reach a point here in the near future where like we kind of 
tap ourselves out in a little bit of the um we're gonna see that maybe it's funny because i go back and forth on this every like every day i'm like one day i'm like fuck the the metaverse is right around the corner and the next i look at it and go like i don't are we actually smart enough to make the metaverse like indistinguishable like can can we even do that yeah like i I, like as humans we're so we're so we're so useless (laughs) that like that I don't know if we can. So it's like, I, I like some days I'm in, it's usually if I, like, I listen to Zuckerberg talk about it and I hear what his plans are, I'm like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, this is like the sky's falling. But then on the other end, I'm like, yeah, we can't even make eye contact in a zoom call yet. So like, I'm not too overly concerned, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think the, the technology piece is a, is an interesting one. Um, you know, I think without going down the rabbit hole too far, you know, take 5g for an example. You know, I would say the unfortunate thing, um, and you see a little bit of this happening in the U.S. with actually evaluating how safe is this technology, right? Like the, if I'm not mistaken, the the FDA is the one who sort of by proxy approved it, very, and and so now that's being challenged, and this is where like some of the stuff had to be delayed, especially around airports, and and I don't want to get into it too far, but my point is that like. The reason why 5G is being pushed is because that's the expansion of the data threshold, like mm-hmm. massively, right? We take to the next tier and, and, you know, this might get into the weeds a little bit too much, but the reason I bring that up is, you know, I've, I've wondered, and I brought this up on the show before regarding innovation and government subsidies. The way most government subsidies for innovation works is it incentivizes production because you need to, you can't just research, you need to develop the product. And so what ends up happening, you use electric cars, we end up overproducing based on the uh, sort of level of technology that exists today, right? So what I mean by that is like, if you look at today's electric cars, they don't really work great because we have a battery capacity issue. Well, how do we Mm -hmm. solve the battery capacity issue? It's not by producing more batteries. It's by spending more money in research and development. Or sorry, yeah. in research and innovation. And, and unfortunately, in order for front firms to get the funds, they need to turn around and develop a product. Right? And so you've got this weird tie where developing a product before it's, I would use the term, economically feasible, ends up with overproduction. And so you, I'm, I'm, my point is that we're sort of overspending on today's technology from a consumption perspective, such that I think we're potentially going to plateau a little bit until the innovation comes. Yeah, like I think maybe that innovation is AI, like essentially AI will start to fill the holes that we can't do. I mean, even you listen to guys like Elon and he's like, you know, AI is a bigger threat to the world than nuclear warfare and I mean, we're on that doorstep and I still believe he's he's true that he's he's right in some sense there. Well, it's a it's a reasonable it's hypothesis, like, right? Like it's Yeah. Unfortunately, the only way to validate the hypothesis is is either experiencing it Right, because I think it goes back to what does what does AI's capacity actually right? Like, there's a lot of theoretical capacity versus you know what we've achieved. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, even even the 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 idea of what it can achieve, like right now, where um, you know Sam Harris was talking about this, uh, the uh, neuroscientist he was talking about how AI at the moment in um, what MIT can do uh, in 
or sorry, in one year, AI can process as much information as an MIT think tank of five people in 20. So like, it's essentially 20 times more powerful. So like, um, it's like, or sorry, 20,000 times more powerful. So it's like the, the, the growth that could be seen as soon as that switch is flicked on, if it's, if that the theories are correct, as soon as, you know, what's on the other end of that switch, I, I think we instantly change the whole shape of the world, you know, even, even on that aspect of like, okay, we have a, we have a data, um, we have a data issue of how much we can push through and that's what's holding back a lot of the VR and stuff like that right now. And it's like, well, you know, if you can now do 20,000 years of research in the time it would, or sorry, sorry 20,000 years of research in one year, it's time then like, yeah, I, I don't know. Then maybe all mm-hmm. of a sudden those issues get solved a lot quicker than we think they are. But to your point, that's, that's innovation, right? Uh, more than anything, it's, it's, and it's, they're sort of holding back the development, if you want to call it that, because, you know, reasonable, <laughs> there's some reasonable hesitation. Um, but I, I do, I want to transition slightly before we wrap up, because you've been, yeah, no you know, you have a lot of talk about psychology and philosophy to some extent. And I'm wondering, you know, is that the impetus behind, you know, the sans cap standard, if I said that horrible? Yeah, <laughs> the sans cape. Sans cape uh, standard. Yes, that's yeah. right. I knew that. Um, so I'm just wondering, you know, what was the impetus behind creating that? Obviously, you know, it does that page and that website doesn't have the following that you currently do in terms of your your standalone. And I'm wondering, you know, what's the plan there? What's the transition there? And and I'm a, my speculation would be that this is sort of you working, uh, you're you're playing in the area of, you know, I pol- culture. Sorry, politics is downstream from culture, and so you want to, like us, talk about the ideas that lead to the culture's positions. Yeah. Um, and that's, so I started a, a media company called the Sanscape Standard about, uh, I think we launched two or three weeks ago now. And, uh, and that was kind of the idea of being able to su- explore idea, a little bit more abstract ideas that are outside of the realm of culture and, and politics. Cause that's a, the main issues that I follow with my personal account. And I was kind of like, okay, I want to give people a little bit more um, insight into the tools that I use to come to my conclusions on these kind of things. And then okay, also nice. the, the whole idea behind the, I mean, I've been a, I've been a big fan of comic books. I think the, you know, as much as people can criticize Marvel for kind of following a blueprint or whatever for each movie, it's like, yeah, that is kind of true as far as like the template of how each movie is played out. But even if you just think about the the philosophical ideas that come through in those movies like i mean even just i look at them as i look at it as like one big movie and it's each movie itself is an episode essentially um and the you look at people like thor and it's like okay thor is a a god that's constantly trying to prove he's worthy of his position it's like we can learn a lot from that uh that scale even if oh actually there's even a line in the first thor movie that i'm like that's fucking genius where it's like he's talking to jane foster the astrophysicist and she's he's talking to her about the nine realms of the cosmos and she's talking about like magic and he's uh she's like oh this is all magic like where is this coming from and he's like i live in a place where magic and science is one and the same and it's like that to me that's like such an insightful comment because honestly just anything that we can't understand from a scientific lens we think of as magic but like even look back at like when 
Tesla was creating things. Like people thought he was like, yeah, like they thought he was capable of like supernatural powers and stuff. So there, there's so many great ideas that we can learn in these hero narratives. And yeah. that's kind of the, that's kind of one that I want to share to everybody too, is like even just the, the hero story of the hero's journey of like the whole death and rebirth cycle and yeah, like yeah. adventure and all of this kind of yeah. stuff. Like we I loved, to- I, I loved Thor Ragnarok. Um, there was a scene where, uh, where, where, where he's like, Oh, you're not your Thor. You're not the God of hammers. Cause he was looking for his hammer. He's like, like, you're not the God of hammers. And I was just like, I was like, yeah, that's right. You're not the God of hammers. Yeah, exactly. And then, or even if you look at somebody like Tony Stark, it's like Tony Stark. This is maybe one that's like highly relevant to today's culture. But like the whole Tony Stark uh, um, arc is literally in the first movie. He's insanely self-centered. He's egocentric as fuck. By the end of it, he's one of the most selfless people on the planet. And it's like that journey mm-hmm. and like that that idea that you can pick up on through these these essentially these archetypes. Like that, those are invaluable. And there, these movies are littered with even actually. There's a good one in the first movie too, where um, the reporter starts asking him hard questions about his war manufacturing and he was like oh all that sustainable green energy like the 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 food uh projects that we do all of this he's like all of that comes from military funding baby and it's like yeah that's true like all progression that we make in in real life comes from war like if you look at what war does and we're heading into one of those right now is like it crazily like in in a crazy sense pushes forward the the boundaries of technology and economies and stuff like that because i mean actually they covered that in eternals as well the the one god that's essentially in charge of um the whole concept there is that there was gods coming to earth and kind of pushing humanity along and and helping them evolve and the one god that was in charge of technology um the other god was like questioning him on why he's building all these these um weapons and stuff and he's like because on the other end of these weapons comes medicine and it's like yeah no so it's like these these concepts these battles of like kind of that's where you do look at it like we all love to sit here and go like oh war is terrible and yes war is terrible but it's also not that cut and dry there's also all of these like aspects to just life in the world itself that uh I think are much better explored through these movies. Cause there's not like that emotional connection to real date uh, issues. And, um, and that's kind of what I want to do with this page is essentially continue on and uh, kind of share the whole idea with like the sans cape standard is like the not so sans cape being no cape. Um, and then just like kind of the whole theory that not all heroes wear capes. And just kind of laying out that blueprint of like what that means in very similar fashion to um, to Nietzsche's Ubermensch, because uh, that was what uh, that was what Nietzsche's answer was to a world without religion was that we would all have to become our own gods essentially, and um, and we would have to become yeah Ubermensch just means Superman in German, so it's like yeah he was talking about how we all have to become Supermen in a world without religion, and um, and it's like that's essentially what what I want to push to is that that message and start exploring a little bit more of that than just kind of like culture's fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny is, um, although, you know, other end of the spectrum, there's a similar, similar quote to some extent that like, um, the constitution is, and this is from the, I think the, let's say the Christian perspective of the founders, the constitution is insufficient 
if the morality of the people is mm. is you know not of a, a a certain standard and and i think you can see that with you know the discourse that goes on today where you know what did the constitution really mean with a motive of well how can we make it say what we want for our me our objectives mm-hmm. and and so the reason I, I make that comment is because what you're seeing is that the morality of the people this document only does so much to restrain so it's just it's it's a similar perspective right that the people themselves still have a level of responsibility you still need let's call it heroes regardless of the moral standard because um I would argue because politics in and of itself isn't going to save anyone. Yeah, no, it causes more issues than it ever solves. That's for sure. Um, and, and yeah, no, I actually, I, t- I totally agree that like we have to live. We can't, yeah, we can't just is going back to the mandating morality and two is like, you know, you think about even a great Martin Luther King concept where it was like one has a duty to not follow unjust laws. Uh, mm. Or it was like one has a moral obligation to not follow unjust laws is something along those lines. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's so true. And that's, that's like where, you know, we need to kind of reestablish that politics should reflect culture. Politics shouldn't drive culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, and, and I would even push you a little bit on that because if politics reflects culture, but you have an immoral culture, you know, unfortunately, the, the majority is going to rule the minority with tyranny. Yeah, I just don't think you can also um, change culture in any way that isn't tyrannical um, with politics. So, like, mm-hmm. it could it could fix it, but like in a, in a long term sense, it could it could redirect the ship. But you would have to undertake tyrannical means in the in the meantime. And I mean, that's what we're seeing on the other side, and and they just have done a very good job of making it seem like it's a uh, it's it's all coming from compassion. Well, and that, that what's crazy about that is like the history of these, you know, tyrannical movements have a have a have a narrative of for the greater good, right? And and I mean, we talked about this with Julie Panessi a little bit, where so many things are claimed to be done in the name of the greater good, without actually having a conversation about what's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do how how have we? Yeah, that's actually that's a very good point. Is like how do we even? get to the destination if we haven't even talked about where we're going yet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just it's just purely you know um you know for the greater good is this like mythical creature out there that we just reference for um convincing or manipulating the people as opposed to you know present as, as you, you know having a conversation about ideas to figure out what what is good for the people well you could even bring that back to another religious sense too where maybe there was a reason that they placed heaven on the other side of death is so that we didn't try to bring around heaven in our lifetime. And essentially that's our idea with the utopia is like in a, in a world that doesn't believe in an afterlife and in say heaven or, or any sort of um, utopia that you could reach in, in another life. Then it's like, you're going to try to bring it about in this life. And anybody who has ever tried to bring about a utopia has always brought about hell. And, um, so maybe that's, uh, kind of the thinking behind, uh, the religious sentiment of putting heaven kind of out of our reach. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I would assume, you know, for us, we, we have a slightly different narrative, but, but if you took it as, you know, heaven from a, a religious perspective as a whole, I, 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 I tend to think about religion in, in philosophical terms. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think about it in, uh, 
because I, I look back at, uh, you know, even, even some Bible writings and I'm like, oh, those are just like, you could literally swap these out for any Marcus Aurelius book, for any Nietzsche book, for any young or any of these, these great philosophers throughout history. You could, you could essentially a lot of the sentiments are mirrored in the, in, in the Bible. Um, I think where we maybe went wrong in that sense was allowing people to interpret the Bible for us. But I mean, we're not in that day and age anymore. So like, even I can now read the Bible and not necessarily want to go to church or not also, you know, feel the need to confess my sins, but I can also look through it as like a philosophical lens as being like, oh, maybe the people who created this, like, I don't necessarily believe that this was some, you know, knowledge passed down from a deity to us, but I'm like, oh, maybe people created this philosophical system, which is religion in in whatever form it comes in as, yeah, just kind of this idea of like we can't do it ourselves so we need to kind of put somebody a bit like i mean it it goes back to the big brother figure where it's like there's there's meaning outside of our lives that we can't understand there's another life elsewhere just do the best you can with today in front of you and i i think that's kind of a a message that gets lost on, on say the atheist crowd of the, I would call them anti-theists. As I like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that kind of like, yeah, maybe we don't have all the answers. Um, and, and I think that's where like faith has to come in in, in in some sort of concept. Like I don't necessarily believe in a, in, in a God in a typical sense, but I do maybe believe in a God as like, say, some energy source out in the... Um, uh, would you say the, agnostic the is the ether. right word? Yeah, that would be, yeah, I guess I'd be agnostic where it's kind of like, all right, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I'm not closed off to any one idea, but I also am not latched on to anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, but I do think that Mm -hmm. like as a society, we do need to turn back to spirituality in whatever sense that comes in. Even if that dude, even if that's fucking taking five grams of five grams of mushrooms every Sunday, like (laughs) (laughs) going on a spiritual journey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe, yeah, maybe you don't need to go to church, but like maybe your spirituality is just getting blasted in your apartment. Like that's, I, I mean, that's mine. Like, uh. So um, I, I was going to say, I did see, you know, I see a little bit of resemblance to, to what Jordan Peterson says about like, you know, um, the story is conveying something about culture. Right. And I think, I think you're drawing a pair, like you have a similar commentary there with regards to the spiritual texts. Um, that that there is an underlying truth with regards to the humanity that we can still pull out of these texts, whether you believe them or not. And and I would say, you know, I think that's a a fair contention that maybe Christians don't wrestle with enough. That for those that don't believe, um, you know, there is room for this. Not not to say that we would like acknowledge it as true or not. But to sort of see the perspective of how somebody might find value in a book that they don't necessarily consider be with the same level of authority that we do. You, you mean in the sense of like being able to just kind of pick and choose ideas from the Bible rather than necessarily like taking it as the ultimate truth? Is that what you're? Um, I'm just saying like, you know, in a sense of, I would say Christians for the last 25 years haven't had the nuanced atheist perspective. They've dealt so much with the anti-theists. Mm. And so there's, there's sort of a default to someone who's had a comment like you, 
without knowing like if you hadn't used the term or if I hadn't given you the term like not being an anti-theist there's this default to like well I have to protect my worldview as opposed to engaging with someone who has a different worldview and and just to to understand to see and you know if you want to talk about it from a you know prostralizing perspective you're not trying to necessarily convince them you're conveying well here's why I see it this way here's why I have a higher regard for this or because you know at the end of the day we know as Christians, like there's a level of faith that comes with saying, okay, this is the highest authority. We won't have absolute certainty until death and we can confirm or deny. Um, now, we can, li- I would say we can live with a level of certainty because it's just the way the human nature works to some extent. Um, but I, I have other reasons why I would also say I live with certainty. But my point is that um, there's like, even just go back to the whole Republican Democrat thing, right? How much of that has been this weird twist with like religious and not religious? And I mean, there's obviously people on both sides, but you've got this weird sort of like battle for the the correct worldview, as opposed to a little bit more. And I'm more sort of speaking about the American sort of Republican Christian view, as opposed to how do we cultivate a world that we're comfortable with the laws. But also respects the plurality of worldviews, and I think that happens on both. You know, not just the Republican. It also happens in the Democrat, super, you know, progressive world too. Yeah, like I, I honestly just feel like we've reached a. So, like, I think about I've started to, and this is something I've thought of recently. Is like, you know, cultures and civilizations ha- are subject to evolution all the same as as humans, and I feel like it's kind of this like swaying back and forth and and you know how that, there's that darwin number of um there's i think it's like 150 you you can have like 150 people in your um in your psyche like essentially have any sort of connection with or understand on a deeper level than just maybe like that's that person's name but like actually keep present in your mind and how once a community starts getting bigger than that is when things kind of start getting a little bit hairy is because you can't keep track of everyone essentially and know how you feel about everyone. That's when you have to start kind of just trusting when you're, you're strangers and and all of that. And that's when you need laws in place because you can no longer just have a a town hall kind of discussion. Well, (laughs) I think about that as um, very similar and not just on like an individual level, but maybe on a societal level, like there's maybe another number out there. I don't know what it is where all of a sudden societies start becoming a little bit unproductive and they can't uh, actually communicate and keep track of even even their own anymore because it's just so large. And I think also there's more than enough history out there to suggest that there has been very advanced civilizations before us. And I think that maybe, you know, civilizations just like, just like seasons, just like, um, any any ages any any of that stuff it's a cycle and and i think we're kind of reaching this point where it's like you know you can see it where every four to eight years it's like the culture it's like it shifts back between like left and right left and right left and right and it's like we're we're shifting more and more aggressively each time where it's like okay they less productive yeah it's like okay for these eight years they moved an inch further left than they moved eight years before that and then it's like okay we're gonna like hardcore correct and i mean anybody who doesn't think that the left created trump is like i think they just lack any self-introspection at that point to be like oh i 
created the culture for this guy to come around and pop off. Um, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing is maybe we're at this point where it's this, this cycle is just ramping up and in, in both it's like a teeter totter and it's just more and more force every time that teeter totter is getting pushed. Mm-hmm. No, I think, I think that's fair. Um, and it's sort of, uh, just a point of cra- you said Darwin, I think it's Dunbar's number. Is oh, it's Dunbar. Yeah, okay. I think it's Dunbar, but anyways, it's not a big deal, but I think yeah, it's no. a fair point that like, um, the higher you go up in society sort of, is there a, a scale at which, you know, 330 million people should not be ruled by one person. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, Joe Rogan always makes that comment, right? He's like, I, I know I'm not competent to make a decision for that many people. Like, how is anyone? Well, uh, even mm-hmm, too, you think mm-hmm. about like, even, even take it outside of like one person, think about even just the federal government. Like how is the federal government supposed to legislate correctly for like over top of Alabama and California, you're like, even as just states, not even individuals, you just think about like what those states mean and in the industries around them. Like you're like, how, how can you effectively legislate that? And I think that is where we both actually in America and Canada, I think we need to start approaching that and kind of go back to a little bit more of, Hey, maybe we should be putting a little bit more of the power and deciding, uh, or sorry, the, the decision-making power back to the ground level. Like, you know, let's have, again, it should be the power structure should be families, communities, provinces, then federal where it's last resort. It's it's like now. Yeah. And now we've both, I mean, everywhere in the world has, has kind of flipped that where it's like now all of a sudden all the powers at federal, then down to provincial, then down to community, then down to human. Like even you go to your average, you know, MP in, in Canada and you talk about them on a local scale, it's like, they can't actually fucking make any real change. <laughs> like it's, it, it's impossible. So like, yeah, I think we're kind of at that point where we need to fundamentally reshift power and that's where it was going. And I think with, with the tech, the technology and with like the decentralization of everything from media to currency, whether it's Bitcoin or anything of that, like it's starting it was starting to bring power back to the individual, but back to the family, back to the community. And I think we're seeing that right now where it's kind of like a, a power grab as to like, we're essentially in a, a war without knowing it, but we're a war against ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, Liam, I want to thank you uh, for your insights on, on independent journalism. And I'm sure it's been helpful for our listeners. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Instagram uh, at liam.out.loud, same on TikTok, uh, and then the sanscapestandard.com is also my my website where I go a little bit deeper into some, uh, yeah, Instagram and all that is a little bit more just commentary and some shit posting and uh and trolling <laughs> and uh and then the uh the website is where i go a little bit more into kind of the psychology and, and uh philosophy and, and culture and stuff like that i highly and recommend you, the uh isn't it ironic videos on his uh, instagram page they're, they're <laughs> so that actually started as a uh as a concept of i i wanted to start that as a george orwell double think that's how that concept came around was I was going to start doing a segment about George Orwell double thinking, just throwing ideas together that like two ideas that exist in reality, but shouldn't like these, these two things cannot coexist. And, uh, and that was the whole concept of George Orwell is like they needed big brother needed society to reach a point where two, two opposing truths can exist in reality. And, um, 
And so that was kind of like, okay, I'm going to do that. But then just the, isn't it ironic aspect? I was like, oh, okay, I can just, whatever. It's Same a little thing. bit more light. It's a little bit more lighthearted than, uh, than, uh, like, Hey, this is spot on to a dystopian novel where the world essentially ended and everyone was depressed. And, yeah. <laughs> but, but essentially the same ideas, right? Same, yeah. like you're talking about the same things. You're just under a slightly less heavy uh, spin, let's call it. Yeah, no, I appreciate uh, having me on there, boys. This was uh, this was fun. It was good to uh, have an actual have an actual chat outside of the DMs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, no, no keyboard courage on this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you heard me. Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media.